Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo from Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm here with Tom DeAngelis and Tom Fertile. Hey, guys, how you doing? All right, good. hello, everyone. Good. Thanks. All right, good to be here with you and with uh, all of you listening. Reflections from the Heart is a gospel reflection. It's something that we've been doing as a ministry for, for quite some time where we get together in, in churches, in barns, in houses, in restaurants, and we look at the gospel for the coming Sunday, and uh, we uh, started this to be a, a little taste of that each week. And uh, so for those who have been here before, you know what we do, and that's uh, look at the gospel for the coming Sunday. So for those of you who are new, hopefully this will, ha- hopefully this will help in your preparation for Mass. So you get to pray into the gospel that we will hear and, uh, and see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right here, right now, through, uh, through God's Word. Uh, before we get started with this Sunday's gospel, Tom, could you open us up with a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we come before you today, and we are blinded. Lord, we ask for your healing of our blindness. We are blind in that we struggle to see ourselves the way you see us. We are blinded in the way that we fail to see others in the way that you see them. We are blinded in the way that we fail to see the creation around us in the way that you see it. And Lord, so we asked that you would heal our blindness, that you would truly open our eyes, that we may see the precious sons and daughters you've created the glory and the majesty of the creation around us and through all things that we may see you and turn to you as your faithful children. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Uh, so this gospel, it's a continuation, right? We've been mm-hmm. Luke 6 for the last couple of weeks. So this is, a, this is a continuation of what we've been praying into these last couple of weeks, Tom, if you can read the gospel sure. for us, that would be wonderful. And again, it's um, <clears throat> from the gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 39 to 45. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you not notice the splinter in your brother's eye? but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the splinter in your eye when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. 
A good person, out of the store of goodness in his heart, produces good. But an evil person, out of a store of evil, produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of fits with your prayer, Tom. Hey, yeah, <laughs> imagine that. At the beginning, a blind person leading, guiding a blind person. Every disciple, I just squared off uh, every disciple and then like his teacher. And if, uh, if you think about just how we're bombarded with people wanting, to f- wanting us to follow them, uh, we, we're going to be a disciple of somebody or some movement or some issue. Um, so they become, if we give them our time and our attention and our heart, then th- they become our teacher. So do we want to be like that you know, person we're following or that cause we're following? So uh, every disciple will be like his teacher. So let's Let's choose our teachers wisely. Hopefully, first and foremost, foremost God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit wants to wants to be our ultimate teacher, and then those who are who are following Him, uh, those people in our lives that are disciples of the Lord that can help disciple us, uh, will be the will be the next best thing. So let's be careful of who who we're allowing to teach us. Well, the old adage was, "What if you, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything." And I, and I think that's, I mean, spiritually, <clears throat> that's true. You know, and, and so many people would say something like that. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not religious, or I don't, you know, I don't believe this, and you know, I, and, and they they sound so secure, but I think upon reflection, they'd find that, as you said, Rob, they they have and they do give their heart and mind to something or somebody. You know, you're going to. You know, how do you answer the question? What's your reason for living? You know, everybody probably has one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they're if they're pushed to it, and so what what occupies their mind? What occupies their heart? What occupies their thoughts? I mean, that's that's something to consider, um, because they they will you will follow something. You will you will try to you know as you try to make sense out of the world. People try to to make sense by you know thinking about why why they exist or what they're trying to do, and if they don't put God there first, they're going to put something. Uh, and that something is going to be, and there's a lot of that in the world, the blind leading the blind. <laughs> there's a lot of, like you said, Rob, a lot of people and movements and ideas and things out there vying for the hearts and minds of people. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it, it's led by a lot of blindness because it's not of God. And if it's not, it, it will lead you to a pit. And so it's important that everybody um, you know, discerns that. And I think if you're helping people or people in your life that, are, that seem to be lost, of course, it's, it's, it's to ask those questions. Well, what do you live for? What do you see as the purpose? And, and not, not to attack, um, but to, to, to probe and help someone to really to, to reflect. And I think from there, then some good conversations can start. And hopefully then you get a chance to share the reason for your joy. Um, and maybe you can help, uh, help the scales fall from the eyes. You know, keep our, our biblical themes there. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and one thing that, uh, that I, I wrestle with, and I think it's a good thing to wrestle with um, occasionally, is, you know, it's one thing if, if you're asked or you ask yourself, you know, what do I live for? Um, because, you know, I've rehearsed that. I've, I know that. But to, to turn it around and kind of reverse engineer the question and say, if somebody was look, look, was looking at me and looking at my behavior, my outward way that I act, the way that the things that I do, the t- places I spend my time, where I spend my money, would they see what I believe I'm, I'm doing? Or would they see something different? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be quite enlightening. It's definitely a good 
activity, but you t- you're talking about seeing and your prayer at the beginning kind of hit me because, you know, give us the eyes to see not just you, but ourselves and each other and all of creation. So how, can I get a look at myself at some level and say, am I really doing what I say I'm doing or I'm I fooling myself? Do I think God's first in my life? But I, But if you look at my life, it doesn't show that, you know, it's not, I, and and more to the point, I think we can examine ourselves because somebody can see the outside and say, yeah, he, guy goes to church, he's got crucifix in his home, he's got, you know, all this stuff. But is that, is the, is the love there, you know? Because I do the things, but do I do them for the right reasons? Do I do them, like Mother Teresa said, echoing St. Therese, do I do all the things in my life, including the little things for God, for love? I want to be right and I want to be good and I want to be so it's not just what we do it's it's the love that we do it with and that's that's really you talk about opening your eyes you know that's that's helpful you know it's a good good practice when you're examining your conscience to look at some of those things and, and try to see clearly what you're doing you know I'm in the pro- in the process of reading a book from Matthew Kelly the the biggest lie in the history of Christianity a lot oh, of yeah, churches yeah. gave that out over <clears throat> uh, over Christmas um and it's just it's so refreshing and encouraging in its simplicity, and uh, you know the the it leads up to I think the first few chapters leads up to what is the biggest lie. Part of the lie is that our happiness is out there, right? That happiness is going to be if we do this or accomplish this or have this success or these people think well of us, and then it leads into the biggest lie of that that we we can't be holy, that it's impossible to achieve holiness, and uh, and he and he really puts it out there in such a simple way that instead of looking at, like there's a difference between holiness and, per- and perfection. Like saints were not perfect. We look at their lives like 30,000 foot view or, you know, they seem to have lived perfect lives and, you know, there's no way I can attain that. But they weren't perfect. They just chose to do the next holy thing. And he calls them holy moments. Like everybody can choose today to do one holy moment, choose to pray. Choose to hold the door for somebody. Choose to take up the trash can for the neighbor. Choose to, you know, make lunch for your spouse. Whatever, right? Like each day we can choose to do one. So he kind of debunks that. Like holiness is unattainable just from that. And then it's okay. Then the next one. And uh, if enough people engage in these holy moments, then that's what's going to change the world. And he takes us back to first century Christianity. There was no Bible. There's no church buildings. It was what you said, Tom. They knew that they were Christians by their love. Like, how did they work? How did they play? How did they interact with their family and, and interact with others? And it was a brutal culture. You know, we live in a you know pretty tough culture now. But that was a pretty brutal culture as yeah, well. Yeah, you could get drug out in the street and stoned for being caught in adultery. I mean, yeah. that's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, and adults and kids throwing stones. You yeah, know, right, right. That's that's brutal. It, yeah. But the <clears throat> but people were attracted to the holiness. So people, mm-hmm. the first century Christians, were choosing in that crazy culture to live, to take Jesus on his word and try to live this thing out. And it was attractive to people. But it's just one holy moment at a time that that this is this is what we're what we just read is is countercultural for sure. Um, but if we take Jesus at his at his word and try to live this out, one holy moment at a time, that could change our lives, change the lives of those around us, plant seeds all over the place. Yeah. That, that holy moment idea, um, I haven't read that book yet, but it's on my, 
my stack of books to, <laughs> to get to, but is very similar to um, something that I remember reading in, um, it's either um, De Cassade, uh, Abandonment to the Divine Providence, or Brother Lawrence, the, the uh, Sacrament of the Present Moment. I think they both talk about the same thing, but they he talks about when you have, you know, when you're in meditation, for example, or you're in front of the Blessed Sacrament and you have a, you know, you, you feel that warmth and that, that closeness to Christ is that try to remember to, to carry that with you out the door. And if you just do it a little bit out the door and then you get wrapped up in the busyness of the day, that's fine. And then the next day, try to do it a little longer and a little longer. And after a while, those dots become like a line. You know, you do it here, you do it here, you do it there. But it sounds like the same thing, the same ideas as after you, if you can get one moment, then you maybe you can get two in a day and maybe you can get three. And at some point, it becomes your day, you know, at some point, maybe after 50 years or something. You know. But uh, but I think that's a very powerful concept. And, and I also, um, as a follow-up to that book, I would recommend a book that I happen to be reading right now with some friends uh, by Peter Kreft called um, How to Be Holy. And it's again very a very simple, direct look at holiness, and it sounds like it would be where Matthew Kelly uh, br- brings you up to one point. Peter Kreft would take off from there because it just has all these different dimensions, and it's all very simple, straightforward stuff that anybody can read and anybody can understand, and you can put into put things into your life. I one chapter after another, very short chapters, about like a page and a half, two pages, three at the most, <clears throat> and every time I read one, it's like. Gee, I could use this today, you know. Or how did how did the Holy Spirit know that I needed to read that passage today? You know, I, I would. That's a good follow up. But now I want to go back and read the Matthew Kelly book to read part one. You know, yeah. see the first part. That of sounds it. good. So, and it's called How to Be Holy. Yeah, that's that's a very simple, straightforward. If any, I know we had him, Peter Kreft here a few years ago at the men's conference, and he was a big hit. Even though he's getting older, he's still very clear in his mind. But he's also very witty and very simple. He puts things in very simple terms, sometimes perplexing where you have to go back and say, what did he just say? But he does. He makes you think but it, and, and think clearly, but it's not abstract philosophy. It's very easy to read and, and uh, not always easy to digest, but always thought-provoking. And so I, very much like Matthew Kelly, I think if you like his reading, you would like, you'd like Peter Kreft. So. Thank you. Yeah. You know that um, Rob, you're saying about you know that that's striving for perfection, holiness over perfection. I think that that striving for perfection. I think we encounter that in so many areas of life that then lead to disappointment. When you look at somebody who, you know, has good finances, and we say, oh, I, you know, I'll never be like that. I can't, I can't, uh, you know, measure up to that or do that. And and we miss the point of, well, no, don't try to be them. But what what did they do that you can learn from? You know, can I can I cut my debt and do some saving? Oh, okay, I guess so I can learn something. Or someone who's physically fit, you know, I'll never be like that person. And rather than trying to glean a lesson, we say, I'll never mm. be as strong, as lean, whatever, as fast as they are. Well, wait, hold on. What can you learn from it? Well, I can cut back on you know my intake, and I can carve out time each day to, to exercise. You know, so we can glean from those in all kinds of areas of success, and yet do it our way. You know, like I play guitar. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not you know, Jimi Hendrix. You know, but but I but I can play guitar. I, I can play it my way, but I can still 
practice and embrace what I do um, and and get better. So in our spiritual life, you know, we talk about the saints, right? They they we don't see the struggle, we don't see the challenge, we see the end. Oh, they they're canonized, and we go, I can never be like that. Well, no, but what can you glean from them? What were the things that they did that can give me insight into how I can arrange my life? What did they stay away from? What did what did they embrace? You know, we're not all called to live like Saint Francis. We're not all called to forego everything and you know walk around the streets tomorrow having you know mm-hmm. uh, gotten rid of our clothing and possessions and to, to we're, so, some people may be called to live that life but we're not all called to live that way um, so I think it's in our spiritual life it's it's about how are we being called and what lessons can I learn from those who have gone before I mean that's that cloud of witnesses that's what the saints are they're witnesses Here, you know we we've 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 done it you know we've we've followed um, faithfully. And uh, to look at the, the lives of the saints and, and, and to glean nuggets, to, to, to glean that wisdom and apply them to our own life. Don't try to be someone you're not. Be who God created you to be, drawing from the lessons and the path of those who've gone before. Actually, quite simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least in theory. But not easy. <laughs> right. There simple, you go. but not easy. Go. Yeah. That's good. And at the end, it talks about our, our hearts. So from the, fullness, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Boy, how much trouble do we get in with our, <laughs> with our mouths, right? Um, so it just takes us back to what what are we filling our hearts with? And you know, the whole idea of, of stewardship is an understanding of the heart that everything we have is a gift from God that He entrusts to us to help others. It's really a way of life. And if we fill our hearts with with that, then not only will our actions be affected, our our words will be affected. So, what are, what what is what am I? If I'm filling my heart with a life that's self-centered rather than God-centered, then I'm going to speak selfishly. I'm, I guess, right? You know, so if I'm filling my life with with worry about tomorrow, I'm going to always be worried in my in my thoughts. If I'm filling my heart with shame over yesterday, I'm going to you know speak of of shame. So I think we we're our Lord's given us this this guide of you know be aware of what we fill our hearts with. So then the words we speak can be words of encouragement, of hope, of healing, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of joy, of love, right? So fill our hearts with that so then our words can be that bomb that, that, others, uh, that others need. Because if we don't, you know, words can hurt. You know, sticks and stones, yeah, they can break your bones, but words can, can crush a spirit real quick. And if we and, and if upon reflection we you know we recognize the words coming out of our mouth and we recognize you know you know what what's going on why am I well that's part of the uh, the process here of noticing the beam in our own eye you know that's that's part of the reflective process um, you know as you said what what you put in what you take in through your eyes your ears you know into your heart you know into your mind it's it's going to it's going to come back out in, in some in some way uh, garbage in garbage out right it works mm-hmm. in computers that way well we work the same way and so if we're not if we're setting, if we're settling for you know dumpster diving and eating the scraps out of the alley, as opposed to the the feast that that's before us, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna have good results. So what what comes out of our mouth, how we act, you know, again back to our passage here, you know, about the rotten the uh, the rotten tree not producing good fruit, um, our actions, how we're thinking, how we 
we're interacting um, can give us some clues. I, I know I know personally, I can tell when it's time for reconciliation, when it's time for confession. I, I just, you know, I catch myself going, hmm, whoa, that was a little bit, uh, you know, I had some odd thoughts there. I was really quick to make a snap judgment there or to or to say something harsher than I wanted to. I mean, I know right away, oh, that's, it's time, it's time for a bath, you know, <laughs> it's time for a, uh, a cleansing. So, you know, self-reflection, I think, Tom, you know, you hit, you hit that a lot, um, you know, with, with your spiritual journey. Self-reflection is something that's, you know, again, um, what, simple but not easy. You know, it, we know we should do it, and yet in this busy, busy, hectic world, it's, you know, we, we find all kinds of excuses not to stop just to pray for a minute, much less, you know, do some real internal reflection. Yeah. And I think the importance of that, too, to pick up on that is in this in this um, parable toward the end here, but the good tree and the you know, the, and the bad tree, the rotten tree, the, the two things that I think come out when you reflect on that is, is these trees have to take time to grow, you know, that, so they start out either good or bad. I mean, a thorn bush is a thorn bush, regardless of how it grows, how long it grows, it's always going to be a thorn bush, you know, so, um, but the, it, it takes time to develop before the, before you see the fruit. So that's over a period of time, we should be discerning whether or not we're growing in one direction or another direction. But the other thing, too, is he talks about the evil, the good and the evil that comes out of the store of our heart, the store of evil in our heart or the store of good in our heart. And again, stores don't just happen. Somebody's got to pack the stuff out or put the stuff in the warehouse or put the stuff in the trunk of the car or whatever. So what are we putting in our trunk? What are we putting in our heart? Uh, which, you know, you touched on, Rob. But I think to understand that, <clears throat> again, go back and look at our habitual behaviors, look at the things that we do routinely, look at the things that we do unconsciously sometimes. Are they leading us to put good in our heart or are we putting just junk in our heart, you know? Because it's, it's something that takes a time to develop. And by the time you realize that the stuff coming out is rotten, it's almost... I wouldn't say it's too late. I mean, we can always go to confession, as you you know you picked up on Tom. But you know the uh, the idea is for us to keep growing. And when we do start to see a little bit of evil coming out, is that we go take care of that right away. We get that stuff cleaned out of our storehouse, and we make sure that there's good stuff being put back in there. That we we get back into God's good graces. You know, so that's uh, I think that's one of the things that comes up here. It's kind of like. When you first read it, you say, well, tree, a tree's a tree. You, you go up to a tree and it either got fruit or it doesn't have fruit. You know, it's, it's a good tree or it's a bad tree. But it had to grow, you know. And the store, you go into a storehouse and stuff's there. But somebody had to put it there. You know, it takes time for that to, to grow up, you know, or to, to get filled out. You, you, you mentioned it directly, Tom, and, and you're kind of uh, insinuating about the sacrament of confession. Uh, our youngest just received her first reconciliation last weekend, and it's interesting, you know, that some of the responses or the inquiries that adults will make, you know, oh, you, you made your first confession, were you scared, or you glad that that's over with, and I remember, like, as opposed to, like, the celebration and how awesome, and, oh, man, I can't wait to hear about your, you know, I can't wait to your second confession, and, yeah, that's what I was telling my yeah. daughter, Hope, I said, you know what's better than your first confession? What? Your second, you know, it's better than your second. Your third, right? It just keeps getting better the more we meet our Lord in that beautiful gift. Um, so, you know, let's let's celebrate. That's a that's a sacrament worth celebrating. Yeah, I, um, I've I've always confessed to my confessors if I've had a regular confessor that I never like confession and I don't go willingly. I go because I need it. You know, like 
that's like a kid doesn't like I don't like taking a bath, but you know, mom put me in because I smell or because <laughs> I'm dirty, my face needs washed, or you know, I was out rolling around and playing in the grass and I need, you know, I need a bath, you know. So but <clears throat> as beautiful as we focused on that sacrament and the goodness of it and all the priests that, that I go to regularly are, you know, always emphasize God's forgiveness, His grace, you know, that that uh, that goodness of the sacrament. I still don't like it, and I think it's I think it's good to be honest about that. It is for me is always a struggle, and I go, you know, frequently. I go weekly, you know, for sure monthly. Every two weeks is is usually long for me, but. But every week I go, when I go every week, and I, it's like I don't want to go, but I, but I go. I kind of, I wouldn't say I force myself, but Discipline, I yeah. go because it's always, it's always, there's always something there that I can find. And I think after a while, especially after, you know, you, you go, the discipline and the grace after a while, it starts taking care of those big, you know, the, the outbursts, the anger, the, the stuff that you can kind of rein in after years, you know. Then there's those things that you do like, you know, you ever at a party and you said something wrong, and you didn't realize that you offend, you probably offended somebody, and then later somebody tells you, you know, that really wasn't a good thing to say to that person. They just, you know, just got divorced, or they just, you know, they just their mother died, or something. They won't tell you, but somebody else does. And there are those sins in our life where we're doing something that we're not even aware of. Maybe it's it's such a habit or it's just something that we never thought was wrong or never offended God. And then all of a sudden we come to find out, well, that's probably not a good thing. Those are the things that I think really separate us. The things that we think we're doing well, or we don't think about at all that really are separating us from God because the consequences of our behavior are real, whether we realize them or not, you know, like if we behave a certain way, it's going to produce a certain fruit. Regardless of whether we think, you know, good intentions, right? The road to hell, right? Good intentions. So that's not, the thing isn't, did I think I was doing the right thing? After a while, it's, am I doing the right thing? Am I really clear about what I do and what my behaviors are? Kind of hearkening back to what I said at the beginning. Do we really, do we take a look at our life and say, my life is consistent with the things that I profess to believe in. My life is consistent with being a child of God, or that I say God's the most important thing in my life, but am I really living that? And those are the things I think that really bring us to a deeper level of holiness, you know. And, and this, this this came across loud and clear. My two two of our daughters, our oldest one and one of the younger ones, uh, were sitting at the table, and I was there as well. And uh, my younger one just got done playing basketball and started smelling herself like her armpit <laughs> and my daughter daughter's like mary you, you just you just play bad you have to take a shower so, well, i don't smell you well you can't smell your own stink you know you just gotta you just gotta go so yeah in the, phys- in, in the yeah. physical like you're talking about you with, with your mouth throwing in the tub you know in the physical realm sometimes you know we don't smell our own stink and the same is true with uh with our spiritual life as well so we need those good confessors those good spiritual directors those good friends that could uh that can help us on the journey So uh, it's our honor to be on this journey with all of you listening. Wish you a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you all. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. 
for information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.